The Evolved Succeed podcast, where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and experts are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. We will also investigate and establish the need for ongoing personal development, accountability, and support. The objective is to inspire you, the audience, to be better in life and in business. Welcome to the Evolved Succeed podcast. My guest this week is Nikki Webb, founder of digital marketing agency Digital Rocks and more recently, founder of Ethically, a company that works with like-minded companies and brands to operate more sustainably and put the planet before profits. As you'll hear, Nikki is so passionate about helping us all make positive changes and reduce our environmental impact. Our influence on the environment has perhaps never been more evident than it is now. As part of the research that Nikki did for Ethically, she conducted a large survey to gauge consumer desire to live more sustainably in the wake of the pandemic, as well as establish what they want from brands and companies to show their commitment to a better future. It also explored, though, the commercial benefits that could be received by companies that did act more sustainably. It is a fascinating report, and we are lucky enough to have Nikki as our guest on an Evolve webinar a few weeks ago. You can access that webinar at evolvemembers.com. I think it's really important that any business owner now does note this significant shift in attitudes towards environmental issues and understands what they can do to reduce their impact and create a more sustainable enterprise. As you'll hear during the course of the podcast, I think there's a lot of organizations that just play lip service to it. And I don't think that is right at all. During the course of the podcast, you're going to hear Nikki provide some compelling reasons for brands to become more sustainable. If you look at it, these brands could go sustainable, contribute to saving the planet and get more loyalty and charge more. Well, it's kind of like an equation that, that sort of one plus one equals two. Reveal some simple ways businesses can start their journey towards reducing the environmental impact. Thinking about paper, ink, coffee, you know, all the simple stuff that you take for granted, but actually just trying to maybe think about how you could source that a bit more sustainably. And gives her thoughts on the future of the workplace. No one wants to go back to this confined office commute that zaps the employee, kills the planet with emissions. So everyone wants this change. And, you know, I'm excited about how the next 12 months play out. If you want to know more about Evolve on our newly released co-working space, then please go to evolvemembers.com. But for now, let's get on with the show. Welcome, Nikki, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. Hi, Warren. Yeah, thanks for having me on, on the show. No problem at all. It's great to have you as a guest. And um, for our listeners, you've got a great background in digital marketing and all of those kind of things. And you've recently launched your new digital business, Ethically. So do you want to give a bit of background to our listeners? Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I can't quite believe it, but 2019 represented my 20th year in digital. So I started way back in 99. And that was even before Google and Facebook were probably even thought about. So that sort of gives you sort of scale of how far away that was in digital terms. Yeah, so 2019 actually was the sort of change in direction. So my concept for Ethically was born and it was really about um, over 20 years you kind of build up a skill set that uh, well you, you do feel proud of and the knowledge and the depth that you have and actually I felt just where I wanted to go with it was apply that skill set to stuff that was all about doing good and um, had the pleasure of working on quite a good for good projects in 2019 and uh, that sort of spurred me on to think about how 
they could impact my professional um, approach and where I was going to go. And obviously, from a personal perspective, was becoming way more eco-conscious. So, yeah, Ethically was born and um, it's an exciting new venture for me. Fantastic. Sounds really exciting. And we'll learn more about it during the course of this episode. But you did launch Ethically on the cusp of the pandemic, didn't you? So sort of <laughs> February, March time this year? Yeah. So, um, well, it was actually, you know, an interesting period, as I'm sure it was for everybody. I had already got an established business called Digital Rocks and that consultancy had been running for many years. And uh, yeah, I think it was, you know, furlough and the types of businesses I'm working for. It kind of went from 100 to zero overnight. And um, I had the opportunity to sit there. Should I, you know, take the government support and take some time out? Or am I actually going to do what I really want to do, which is find the time to get ethically off the ground? So I can't lie, start to finish. I wrote the website Easter weekend, I think it was. And um, (laughs) yeah, I know. And it was a really sunny weekend as well. But when I get the bit by the um, horns or whatever that saying is, uh, I kind of like to get going. And then I I do have the blessing of having a fabulous husband called Paul who builds websites. So um, him and his partner managed to turn the site around within nine days, I think. So um, yeah, I I literally went gung-ho and then obviously Ethically was then live. So that was great. Great. So as you say, Ethically's, you know, the founding kind of principles is that Ethically will work with businesses that want to take sustainability seriously or are doing, did you say, good for good projects? Yeah. So what's a good for good project? So it's basically, if you can think about it, obviously an obvious one is a charity. You know, their their purpose is really there to uh, make a difference to something that, you know, is not a profit. Um, but actually, it's rolling out quite exponentially across a raft of sectors. You know, in e-commerce, you can have for good businesses that take, you know, plastic bottle tops and turn them into something else and, and sell them. And actually, for me, that's like uh, it's so worthwhile that we're actually considering the circular economy and, you know, actually changing the way we're behaving. And then it stems all the way on to, you know, B2B businesses where they're actually thinking, OK, well, um, you know, we we don't have a high carbon uh, footprint, but actually if one of the good things would be to do would be to go net zero. And that's the sort of businesses that are actually putting the planet as closely aligned to profits as you can do. So yeah, that's where Ethically kind of aims to hit the market. Okay, brilliant. And are you helping those organisations get to net zero as well as provide that digital kind of marketing support? So that's that's quite an interesting one because I, I do question myself as I'm going through where I'm going to end up in the next 20 years, whether it's just going to be solely marketing or whether actually uh, retraining in as, as a sustainability consultant is kind of where I want to get to. For now, I'm the marketeer and I get to help brands that have got something to shout about from a sustainable perspective to make that work for what they want to achieve. But I think the interesting bit is the the personal journey I've been on with Ethically, because Ethically is carbon neutral. We make a pledge. We plant trees every month. We do do everything we can to uh, use sort of sustainable resources in the business. And, and, you know, having gone through that journey, I do feel as though I can talk about it. But I would have I I do have relationships with people out there that make that a full time role. So um, it's been an interesting journey for myself. And see where it may lead. But then life is a journey, isn't it? So it is indeed. You wrote a book about it, Warren. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I know that a critical part, one of the reasons I wanted you on the podcast is for you to tell your story. But also you did a really interesting survey 
And is it over a thousand sort of business owners, individuals that you surveyed as part of your research into ethically? And I'd like us just to share some of those results with the listeners if we can. So, and what are some of the main findings that came from that survey? Yeah. So, yeah, the context was, I mean, just in the midst of the pandemic, you know, there was loads of obviously horrendous stuff. But actually what was being shown across the planet was the carbon emissions through our lack of travelling was transformed overnight. And I think I looked at it and thought to myself, well, actually, God, couldn't, wouldn't that be amazing if we could carry that on? Wouldn't the planet regenerate so much quicker? Wouldn't we hit our targets for 2030, 2050? if we actually started changing the way we do things. And so the survey premise was I went out and asked another thousand people if what they thought about it. And it was mainly end consumers from every walk of life as well. So there is a, a natural bias with more affluent people that they have sustainability higher on the agenda. But this was, you know, low income, 18 to 75. And I think the interesting thing is 75% of people really wanted to make themselves more sustainable moving forward. So and they had noticed the benefits of the pandemic on the on the planet and, and well, the environment. Well, there were some great photos shown in the early days of China, wasn't there? And then of India later on and of just being able to see the Earth. Yeah, smog, smog gone. Yeah. You know, you couldn't predict that. So however negative it's been, it has shown that it is we are capable of, as yeah. a race to make significant changes that help the planet. Yeah. And I think... Um, that the survey, you know, it was up in the 90s, all the percentages that people had noticed the benefit to nature and had noticed the impact on the environment. And, you know, people were liking that fact and wanting it to carry on. So a high proportion of those respondents, I mean, that's a remarkably high percentage, want us to live more sustainably going forward. Yeah, it was was 75% want to live more sustainably moving forward and 88% want a more sustainable future. They they want it to become the normal. Right. So that... That says a lot to us as business owners that we need to adapt, doesn't it? Yeah, well, the complementing stat to that is 76% of end consumers want brands to help them achieve that sustainability. They don't feel as though they can achieve it on their own without businesses leading the way and making those um, necessary changes that helps them. But then that's usually, though, consumer... I've challenged that a little bit because usually it'd be consumer behaviour that makes brands change. Yeah, and I think the survey went on to actually say what would brands earn or, or be rewarded with if they were did become more sustainable. Yeah. And, you know, loyalty and price premiums were the two things that really stood out. So it was amazing that 87% of people said that they would be more loyal to a brand that was sustainable. Wow. And not only that, Warren, 72% said they'd be prepared to pay more. So if you look at it, these brands could go sustainable, contribute to saving the planet and get more loyalty and charge more. Well, it's kind of like an equation that, that sort of one plus one equals two, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it definitely. And, I, and in business, we all say, don't we, retaining customers is the key thing because the cost of acquisition is astronomically high generally. Therefore, that's that around retention yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. And I think it sort of really clearly demonstrates this change in appetite. You know, people, you know, regardless of what's happened this year, people actually do recognise that if we don't change, then, you know, we're, we're looking at not such a great future. Yeah. So playing devil's advocate now, Nikki. Go on then. Do you think that was a moment in time? Do you think there was a different attitude? And if you did the survey say, in 12 months' time, fingers crossed, post-pandemic, you'd get the same results. 
So, A, Warren, my intention is, because I do believe there was a moment in time, it was a moment when people were feeling, you know, emotional, you know, they, they, some of the stats that came out around that were interesting. And, you know, simple gratitude became a lot more mm. um, prevalent. So, yes, I do think there was a moment in time, and uh, I think there's a real opportunity to track this moving forward as a measure of sort of customer appetite and, and, and for to encourage brands, you know, yeah. because I think if we don't change the economic way that we think about profit and planet, we're never going to shift the boulders enough to, you know, hit all the targets for climate change. So it's kind of if the consumers can lead the way and actually drive their drive the, the brands into these positions through you, their, you know, their wallet and where they spend their money, then, you know, I'd jump on the bandwagon now. Yeah. So there's been a the one that kind of goes against that it's plastics isn't it and it's terrible you know it's up in scotland had a little break with the family it was great to get away and establish just some time out with the family but we're up in the highlands in scotland mm. you, you pull over you stop you look at the view and you look down and there's disposable masks around and there was a whole you know there's a whole thing about oceans and plastics and that's all gone quiet so mm. surely there's a bit here there's you know just i suppose talking as humans yeah that actually you know, we say one thing, but how are we actually behaving? Yeah, and I think, you know, I think the plastic thing is really interesting. So, you know, I'm one of those... Well, I, I was actually going to apply to Parliament, see if I could become the uh, head of waste in the UK, because I read their 140-page strategy back-to-back earlier in the year. And uh, it's, you know, it's probably one of the most, you know, pie-eyed, sort of statement-driven strategies that I've ever read in my entire life. A strategy should get you from A to B. This had lots of ambition, but not a lot of substance. <laughs> Isn't I then, that politics? <laughs> yeah, I've, I've then worked with another client where we've, uh, you know, we've actually done a Freedom of Information Act into some of the stats that this threw out. And, you know, it's it's crazy that of dry recycling, they, they've got, they're hitting their targets, you know, 50 plus percent of uh, materials are recycled but actually plastic only makes up 8.1 percent of that amount that is recycled and I know how much plastic I put in the bin so um, yeah I'm working with another client of how actually we can take on this plastic issue because the reasons why it's not recycled properly is through contamination and actually the contamination is driven by how we actually place it in the bin Mm -hmm. And we have to actually change that. So, you know, that's another personal mission of mine. And um, as I say, you know, sometimes it makes me inspired to do crazy things and, and inspired to be much grander than I am. But I, I do think it's a, an issue that needs to be raised, that people don't realise that they put that plastic in the bin and it doesn't get recycled, mm-hmm. gets burnt and it gets ended up, ends up in oceans. And, um, you know, actually consumers are probably doing way more to help that problem than the waste management system is able to then make that a reality in terms of recycled amounts okay so evolve as a business we want to get more sustainable we want to become more sustainable some hints and tips yeah a few things so what would you what be top of your list let's start there probably just looking at the resources that your businesses use so thinking about paper ink coffee you know, all the simple stuff that you take for granted, but actually just trying to maybe think about how you could source that a bit more sustainably. So I think in my research document, I did suggest quite like lots of different suppliers. I'm not going to mention them today because it's it's yeah. not about that. But, you know, actually re- researching green office supplies and, you know, where they've sourced effectively starter for number 10. You know, price wise, you're not it probably mirrors what you're probably paying. It's just finding it from the right source. So that's a great starting point. 
another one would be, you know, one of my favourites is carbon neutrality yeah. uh, and going net zero. Now, obviously, having done that with Ethically, I was envisaging a, a painful slog of trying to find all the relevant information and um, uh, information that helps you achieve that status. And actually, I found it really, really simple. So um, and was talking to actually uh, you guys down at Evolve yeah. about how easy that is. And, uh, you know, actually offsetting your carbon, if you can't change your carbon footprint, the easiest way to give back is to offset it. We need to plant so many trees in this world and we need to have so many more renewable energy sources that, you know, I took the option to I'm uh, supporting an Indian wind farm that actually then supports the local community as well. And, you know, it hasn't cost me the earth. And on a scale of one to ten, it's actually not that difficult the carbon guys who pay, you pay to do the reports to understand your usage, they do all the hard work. And um, yeah. yeah, so it's a really simple thing. I think there's a lot of businesses out there that would take the principle of being net carbon and both will evolve and inspire. You know, I love the principle, I love the idea, but you just think this, that's going to be far too complex, far too costly, far too... And, and if I'm, you know, that's a really honest response I think you'd get from a lot of business owners, yeah. far too expensive, too much of a distraction yeah. and too difficult. Yeah, and, and I think I think those should be demystified. It's actually not that time consuming. It's actually not that expensive, and it actually I would say is a, one of the easy starting points. Okay. So, so my other skepticism. Yep. It would be that you know there's a lot of companies out there that say they'll you know there's the consultant side where you can pick that you can yep. find that I'm sure, and we'll get you to give you contact details at the end of the podcast. You know, and you can give a, give out details to some of these companies that helped you, but. But then you give your money to somebody to plant trees or yeah. to do something, you know, your Indian wind farm. And does it really happen? You know, because there's been a lot of scams in the past, a lot of kind of fraud in that sector. How do people really find a project that suits them and, and know it's not a fraud? So, yeah, I was I can't lie, Warren. I was completely shocked by my price differentials of quotes I got to go carbon neutral. We're talking 100 percent. No, but the 10 times difference from what I paid to what the top quote was. And carbon offsets, that market is being saturated by people that apply markups. And so you might be paying £50 per tonne of carbon to offset and the project itself is only getting five. Hmm. Those sort of things are happening and they are prevalent. Um, And as I say, the supplier I use, the reason why I went with them, they basically invented the carbon stock market and they deal direct directly with the projects and directly with the clients and it comes together at the point in time the value of the offset or the price of the offset that the person is charging to get involved so i am 99.999 percent confident (laughs) i'm doing it but don't get me wrong i uncovered a lot of stuff that you know seems to be a world of scam doesn't it yeah it's a go careful and be sensible and yeah carbon offsetting the price of what the cost of carbon to offset i think is one of the biggest areas of gray that i would say and disappointingly so okay but actually working out the amount of carbon you used and all of that i know you used the consultancy to do it but that wasn't a painful process no no so you know it was everything from what mileage i did per year you don't measure anything if it doesn't equate to a a ton of carbon a year so that actually strips out a lot of the minutiae that you think would take the time to collate all the information so it's largely mileage travel if you're flying accommodation if you're doing anything where you're Staying away, obviously, we haven't done a lot of that this year. No. Um, and then your energy for the yeah. of, your office building, which you have to provide 12-month statements, which I just downloaded from my account. And yeah. 
collect that all into an online folder and off they go. And there you are. Yeah. So um, it is honestly not that tricky. Brilliant. So the hints and tips that we've got so far are source better. Yep. And your belief is, and I, I think we've we've done that within Inspire and Evolve, and I, yeah, I agree with you, sourcing more sustainable products isn't necessarily more expensive. No. You would say go net zero. Net zero, yeah. Next. Next. Okay, so this is a really interesting one. And there's, firstly, the, I forgot to say the carbon neutrality thing joins you into a club. Yeah. When you're carbon neutral, other people who are carbon neutral naturally want to trade with you. There's a you know business community that value that as a status. And another one that I do is obviously I pledge uh, 1% of the profits. So I've, I've done the renewable energy with my carbon offset and I do trees with my 1% pledge. And I do that um, with Trillion Trees, which is a WWF bird life combo. Um, and they work not only to reforest, but they work at the political level as well, which is quite a lot of the reason for deforestation is driven by politics, not just right. trees disappearing. But yeah, there's clubs that you can join. So there's a, you know, 1% for the planet is a great idea. And again, it enters you into a a world of businesses that have got the same ethics and ethos. Yeah. And uh, that only can also present new business opportunities as well. So when Definitely. you extend your own network. So, yeah, yeah, making a pledge. And I personally think, don't think 1% of profits is unachievable for any business out there. But it does. If everyone did it, imagine how much money that would yeah, be. Definitely. It's considerable, isn't it? It, it, it? Well, it would change the planet. If everyone went net zero, it would change the planet. So it's kind of like we have to start a momentum of... But the net zero thing's coming, isn't it? Yeah, you know, is it 2025, 20, 2030, 20, 2050? It's going to be enforced, isn't it, at some point? And therefore, I think the voluntary move there and, you know, and being... It's great for the planet, but there is this commerciality, as you've said, of actually being seen to be a first mover and taking responsibility. I can't lie. I think it makes a difference. Yeah, the the first movers, there is so many sectors out there that don't think sustainably at the moment. And so, you know, think B2B, B2C, think combos of the bows. And I think actually everyone is missing a trick. Those those that move forward first into a world that all the end consumers want are going to benefit. You have a marketing opportunity to leverage that benefit. In five years' time, every Tom, Dick and Harry will have some of those credentials. Wouldn't it be legislated? Wouldn't it? At some point, it's going to come, isn't it? Yeah. I just don't think we should wait 10 years. We sat sat here with a 20... It's 2030, I think, is some of the next big milestones in climate change. We don't need to wait 10 years. We don't need to wait till it's legislated. And there's a benefit for acting now. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm, I'm oh, with sorry, you. I'm getting all... Uh... No, it's great. It's good. Passion. Passionate. Passionate. Passion on the podcast is great. It's brilliant. And I suppose people are shifting their behaviour, aren't they? So we've talked a bit about will people still think about it in terms of where they want to buy and those stats. But, you know, we, we saw individual behaviour change during the kind of lockdown and subsequently... It'd be interesting to see, won't it, whether people do walk more, do cycle more, or is that just a moment in time? Yeah, uh, well, first week back at school, they haven't got enough bike stands at ours now for the number of people that are walking. So there was a, you know, quite a culture change where people didn't have to drive every day. They did start looking at other means and they probably did think about going out for a walk, that one yeah. walk a day you had, and those sort of behaviours. Yeah. You know, you can learn a habit in 21 days. So we had enough time to develop new habits. Unfortunately, we did. Yeah, <laughs> it's much harder to give up those habits. <laughs> but I think it's, um, you know, one of the things that I saw was a real benefit was the remote working concept. 
how many people just never thought they could work from home and how many businesses never thought their staff could work from home and how many businesses have remained productive and how many employees have actually really thrived working from home and you know you had Alex from Silicon Reef the other day on one of your webinars and you know I worked with them on that great server that he did and the appetite is there they no one wants to go back to this confined office commute that zaps the, the employee kills the planet with emissions so everyone wants this change and um you know i'm excited about how the next 12 months play out i'm thinking you know uh, things like co-working space and um, remote working they all become part of the future I did, you know, have I probably had, I do dream about a lot of things. And one of it was, well, what are we going to do with all these commercial buildings? So I then thought, well, actually, loft living. Didn't New York cap yeah. that? You know, <laughs> let's, let's, do, let's create some lofts. They were in beautiful warehouses. Oh, right, I know. <laughs> There's some aesthetics work needs to be done. But, you know, let's not think yeah. about waste. We've got housing sort of shortage. Yeah. Let's start thinking clever. Um, yeah. You know, we've got in, not got infinite resources. You know, we can make these things changes like more long term. I think there was an excitement there, isn't there, in terms of the regeneration of town and city centres that was again coming, that has been accelerated. And how do we use that space? How do we, how do we maintain community and a sense of community? Because that came through, didn't it, as well? So, so I think that that's really um, important. And I think the remote working is great. You know, we're moved the businesses to that ourselves, but you know, we've also said, look. We can do it safely, therefore, on a Monday and a Wednesday, come into the office, be together. Yeah. Because, I, you know, I use that word community again, but there's culture, there's community, and there's things that you do miss from mm. sitting in isolation. And I think we've got to realise that there were some challenging situations and issues for a lot of employees by working in isolation. Mm. So, but can we get a happy blend? And as a result, you know, will that do... The yeah. some good. But if you think even cutting the commute from five days to two days, the difference yeah. that makes, if every business adopted that policy, yeah. you know, I agree with you. I think the other other stat that came from the Silicon Reef was the loneliness was one of the biggest factors yeah. of, of not enjoying working from home. So you need that team spirit. But actually it thinks, you know, it makes you think, how can I adapt it? That, Like you say, it's, is it one day a week? Is it two days a week? It doesn't have to be five days, nine to five. No. You know, and we've worked, we work like that for so long and actually we, we don't need to. People could start work at five in the morning and be finished by two. You know, yeah. it is the sort of daft hours that I work because, you know, I'm, I'm not great in the evening. So, uh, you know, it's, it's about thinking really, you know, out, out of the box and, and not creating the rules that we've kind of lived by from a working perspective. Yeah. And some of the businesses that you've worked with, what have you seen happen and what has, you know, what are they doing? Interestingly, ethically standpoint is really, you know, I'm quite rigid if if the business isn't sustainable or doesn't have that uh, for good perspectives and it's sort of not measuring on my Richter scale. Hence, Warren, take an inspiring involved and yeah. some sustainable routes. So, but I actually think that's part of what I'm quite excited about is businesses that want to work with me having the opportunity to even start on that journey and get them thinking in that way. That's part of what ethically is about. It's part about making businesses realise it's actually a good journey to go on. But no, I've been blessed with a new suite of new business, um, you know, from plastic-free shampoo and conditioner bars, you know, selling online, doing really well, launching new brands, a new drink brand, drinks brand that will transform the Amazon, hopefully, if it, if it takes off. And I've got huge confidence in it. So that must be coffee-related in some way. 
that's it. So it's caffeine, but naturally occurring in a plant that grows best in the shade of the Amazonium. So uh, the farmers could actually benefit from an income for having the trees in place, not having to chop them down. That would make a difference. Wouldn't it just? So, Yeah. yeah, it's actually really lovely. And I think the bit I've learnt about uh, the clients that I've been meeting and the conversations I've had with Ethically is, I don't know, you sit across with someone on a Zoom meeting, you know, you've never met them before, but, you know, I think all the people that I've talked to in the For Good world, we probably share 60, 70% of the same ethics, yet we've never met each other. We've mm. had different upbringings, but we all sit in this sort of 40 plus entrepreneurial environment that we've got kids, we want future for yeah. our kids. And actually, if we don't change and it's just such a natural conversation. And I've really felt that once you get into this community, it's a it's a community that that favours the people that are doing the similar. And it's a, you know, again, a massive business sell. Okay. So, yeah, from a from a, from that kind of new business gen perspective, I haven't had to do huge amounts, which is, you know, always very nice. You are a marketeer. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe but, it's all bubbling away under the surface. But, um, <laughs> um, but there is that. Oh, so you're you're proven. I mean, your business is clearly taking a very firm stance. Yeah. But we should explore the business case aspect as well. So you've clearly found you've taken a stance. You put yourself out there. You've promoted that, and business has come to you because of what you are and what you represent. So you can prove the business case. Yeah. Does the business case truly exist for, let's say, a firm of solicitors? Go on, then. Oh, yeah, I'm chomping at the bit to say, I think I don't know of an eco solicitor. So anyone out there that does, please point me in their direction. Yeah. I found an eco insurance company who okay. does quite a lot. But that's actually the, the bit. If you are a solicitor and you want a point of difference, yeah. well, let's get going. Yeah. Because I think it is so fresh. I think it will make a massive point of difference. And you have to imagine the business owners that you're wanting to work with and, and the, you know, the... Uh, the b2c clients that you come in they all want that eco element and they're not getting it from solicitors yeah okay right but there's a lot of i don't have i don't have many case studies yet of taking uh that business from you know uh, starting to promote it digitally because it's yeah sustainable ethical all of those things that's it but the other thing is isn't it is it's a bit like and i'll go off on a rant if i'm not careful so i'll take a deep breath and but you know (laughs) I get really irritated by big corporates and their corporate social responsibility policies and they tinker around the edge and they play at things and they say they've got a huge CSR kind of footprint and they do very little. Mm. And they don't do things that make a real difference. But I think it's the same in this sort of sustainable place is that a lot of businesses, you know, say they do something, you know, they recycle their plastics Mm. and they think that's enough. Mm. It's about how do you educate and how do you prove the case for people to take mm. it seriously and take the leap, isn't mm. it? And I think... As, as soon as I've got that case study, I'm, I'm going to get it out there. Okay. Uh, well, we'll I'm put sat- it out there through the Evolve platform. <laughs> I'm because- just about to say I'm sat there smiling at you because uh, I'm hoping it's you, you and me that do it. So there yeah. we go. <laughs> there we are. Um, so really happy with how your business is going, obviously. Yep. Really seeing the progress and, you know, it's... the listeners can't see it but there's huge energy and passion all over your face <laughs> as you light up and talk about it which is great but obviously you've said you know over 20 years in digital marketing 
putting the sustainable aside, are you seeing any changes in the way in which businesses are marketing themselves digitally at the moment? Is that changing as well? Yeah, so definitely, I think, um, as it's all started to come, you know, it's still all about being present in the search engines. That's just a no brainer, but definitely social media and, and not mainly, not really from an organic perspective, but from a paid advertising perspective and, you know, reaching out to a target audience that is the right eyeballs and doing it on a regular basis and keeping the comms message fresh. So particularly for B2B, you know, working with brands that can, you know, build that awareness for themselves in a social media feed without necessarily getting a click you know it's not actually necessarily about that immediate response but it's about the brand recall oh yeah it's those guys again as you're going through and that kind of mechanic i'm seeing great results from where it's not a direct response result but actually the halo in the brand awareness it provides starts to fuel the business through google through people coming direct to the website through word of mouth and 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 that mechanic of it's not directly linked. And, yeah. and digital has been so much about someone has to click, someone has to go to the website, someone has to sign up. And we track all that and we get an ROI at the end. Actually, I'm trying to lift clients up from that at the moment okay. and actually think about halos and, and, and brand awareness and the importance of building a brand with your target audience. Mm. And it's an interesting concept because it's it gets a little bit nerve wracking sometimes. I sit there and I go, okay, so that that's quite expensive from a return on investment point of view. But actually, we've seen how much uplift you've had over here. You haven't actually done anything else to get that uplift, so yeah. the two start to have to be li- linked together. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you know, and from a, the return on investment background that I've got, you know, sweat, blood, and tears for hitting target cost pers. Yeah. I'm really trying to move clients away from it's just not about that linear digital tract event. Yes. It's, it's bigger. about creating the brand. Creating the brand and all the stuff that, you know, you used to buy TV ads for and, you know, mm. do radio for is actually you can start leveraging platforms like LinkedIn, like Twitter from a B2B perspective yeah. and Facebook and Instagram from a consumer perspective. And those platforms at the targeting level, it scares me sometimes. Yeah. There's a new Netflix documentary about it, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. What they don't know about you, I think it's something along I those lines. <laughs> watched it in horror. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I'm, not, you know, I, 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 as a digital marketer and someone that's been in the industry, I don't want it to go too far. No. And I think it's borderline at the moment how much yeah. these big platforms are storing against us. Uh, but at the same time, the ability that it helps build relevance in advertising. Yeah. You know, that's actually. Uh, a benefit well, to, to you that's what us all as business owners when we market one isn't it we want a very targeted we want to know our advert our piece of material is going to get put in front of our target market yeah yeah and digital enables that to happen yeah if done properly yeah and so i'm seeing a lot more investment in into social social yeah. channels and i suppose that there must be a bit of that reinvestment into social because it's you can't do face to face as easy as you could in the past yeah you? Yeah, so those platforms are working really well to promote things like webinars, which I've definitely seen, you know, a surgeon. And, you know, they're working well to get new eyeballs into businesses and then sitting, you know, and interacting with them digitally. I don't see that changing. I I see because webinars are low cost. They're a great portal for businesses to demonstrate what they do and and, and work with other clients to, you know, create great material Mm. that's really useful. That's not going to change. And, you know, digital is only going to become more of a part of growing that exposure to sort of what we would have as offline events, I guess, you know, okay. or historically. So Brilliant. Thank you for those insights. So talking about you personally, what keeps you focused? 
the juggle? No, I, it is definitely, I don't know. I think a lot of where I've come from in, since having my son, who's now eight, is uh, the immense amount of passion that gives me. I have a child that's mine and growing up, but I, I want him to have a future. And he's been a lot of the focus. I do a lot, lot of my long-term thinking is like, what, what's going to benefit him? And it, that's kind of, that fuels the energy and the passion. You know, I don't know if you've ever, you've got kids, Warren, so you've probably got that same, I want them to have the best yeah. life possible yeah and that powers me absolutely the sausage dogs keep me focused so do you think the nikki <laughs> sausage dog keeps your focus running around your feet yeah so do you think there is it's an interesting how children do can change our perceptions about things or the way we think so do you think the nikki of nine years ten years ago thought differently was a different animal to having had a child you know your son's eight years old i'm gonna go think- completely yeah completely yeah. differently alive you know having archie was quite from word inception, probably, I'm not going to give you my life story, yeah. but I've had a lot of ups and downs and very big, you know, near losses of, of him. And that's put a lot of stuff in perspective um, and, and also put a lot of emphasis on, you know, what what makes me happy and seeing him happy makes me happy. And Brilliant. uh yeah, you get a tear in my eye, Warren. <laughs> so I was sorry about that. That's all right. <laughs> so and how do you rejuvenate yourself? Okay, so uh, you can have the honest one, a glass Please. of wine at yes. five o'clock in the evening. That's lovely. But no, no, I, I, uh, I'm just pioneering, reintroducing again yoga so um, and trying to get that off the ground. So definitely sort of the meditation and more mindful stuff really works for me. I'm not a gym buddy whatsoever. I'd fall off a bike more times than you if I got on one. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> not in 2020, you wouldn't. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no, not you know, massive cardio is not where I, where I get my relaxation from, but definitely things that make you relax and calm and think, you know, logically. So um, yeah, that's sort of I say my two things. <laughs> Brilliant, that's good. And your definition of success. So I think with the ethically going forward, I want to, you know, I think there's two things I want to do is one is convince as many businesses as I can to leverage this in the next five years and, and, and make take the advantage while it's there. And the second one is, is to make my family life successful. I've got some plans in place that are bubbling away. They have been, you know, and I'm hoping lockdown two doesn't happen so they all get paused mm-hmm. again. But yeah, so I think it's a combination of professional and personal elements that define success for me and maybe learning not to work quite as hard so okay getting a bit balanced i'm not sure easter weekend is going to happen again for a while but you know when i get the bit between my teeth it's one of those ones you just roll with focus yep brilliant focus passion and belief yeah three of my favorite words so it's brilliant to have had you on the podcast if people want to find out more about nikki and ethically where can they go yeah, so yeah, find me at my website. Ethically is spelt with a misspelling, so just to make sure you get it right. So it's E T H I C L Y, ethically, without the A and L, dot co dot UK. And you can pick up all my contact details from there. The research is also available to download. And uh, yeah, that's the best place to get me. Brilliant, Nikki. It's been great to have you as a guest. Thank you for your passion. Excellent. Cheers, Warren. Nobody can continue to deny or ignore climate change, in my opinion, and the impact we have on our environment. As much as the pandemic alerted us to this, I really hope that those shifting attitudes, both towards life and work, are maintained, and we all look forward to a better and more sustainable future. If you're a business owner, I really hope this podcast gave you a bit more clarity around sustainability, because I'm sure you know it can be a bit of a minefield at times. 
But as Nikki said, there are some really simple things one can do to start that journey towards reducing your impact, and there are obvious benefits to it, not only to the planet, but commercially for your business and brand. If you want further insightful content, details of our webinars and future events, when we can host them, and inspiration, then please do go to evolvemembers.com. There you can sign up for our weekly newsletter and become part of the Evolve community. We also have details there of our recently released co-working space in Ashley Cross in Paul. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if so, please do rate, review, and subscribe to future episodes. I look forward to you joining me again next week. Thank you for listening.